Welcome to this very special episode arc of the RPGbot.podcast. Yeah, so in this arc, we're going to take our special guest Jody through learning about how to play tabletop gaming. In particular, we're focused in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. We're going to do this in four episodes. So the first episode, we're going to talk about concepts and themes in tabletop gaming. The second episode, we're going to work through building a character for playing D&D 5e. The third episode, we're going to do a one-shot in D&D 5e. And in the fourth episode, we're going to get together and kind of talk through everything that Jody experienced, give her an opportunity to ask any questions she might have about the game. So yeah, if you're a regular listener, if you're super into D&D 5e, this might not be super useful for you, but we're hoping it's something you can bring to folks who want to come to the game. And if you've been away from Tabletop for a while and you want to come back to it, we're hoping this is a great resource for you to kind of get familiar, reacquaint yourself, and come back into the game. Thanks a lot. And now episode two with Tyler and Jody, uh, working on building characters for D&D 5e. doing well. Thanks for joining me. I'm glad to be here. Today, we are going to build your first character, uh, your first Dungeons & Dragons character. Uh, so this is one of the first steps that people take on their journey into the hobby, is building the character that you're going to play. If you stick with the game, and if you play for a long time, you'll do this a few times, uh, and you get better at it over time. It's definitely a skill. So today, we're going to take it kind of slow, we're going to go through the basics. We're going to pick out some options. But when we're done, you're going to have a full character who's ready to play. Are you excited? Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So in front of you, you have your character sheet. Yes? Yes, I do. All right. And how many pages is that? Three pages. Okay. So we're we're going to come back to the character sheet in just a couple minutes. But I'm going to start you with the player's handbook. So the player's handbook is the core rulebook for all of the players. And that has most of the rules for the game. So this is probably not something you're going to read cover to cover. A lot of it is reference materials, but the the first intro chapter is very good, and then the chapters after that are all about building your character. So there's lots of cool information in here. If you ever have some free time, the art is also very pretty. So I'm going to have you open up your player's handbook, and if you just go to the table of contents, we're going to start there. And I know that sounds super boring, but bear with me. People listening at home, if you don't have a player's handbook, uh, the basic rules or a copy of the system reference document will also suffice, and we'll have links to those in the show notes. So the player's handbook, uh, in the table of contents, you're going to see some chapters. So there's, uh, there's the introduction, there's three parts, part one, part two, part three. Part one is all about building your character, and that's where we're going to focus today. So the, the first section of part one is step-by-step -step building your character. So we're essentially going to go through that process today. But rather than going through it in the process that is described in the book, we're kind of going to go through things all at once, which feels a little maddening, but it'll make sense once we're done. So before we actually build the character, I want to talk about the building blocks of your character. So you're going to have a few decision points as you build your character, and that's going to define who your character is and what they do. The three biggest portions of your character are your race, 
your class and your background. Your race is something like human or elf or dwarf. So if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings, all of those classic fantasy races are all in there. In other books, there's things like goblins. Um, in And just in the core rulebook, there's some more interesting races. Uh, I shouldn't say more interesting. Uh, more unique to D&D, like tieflings, which are demon people, and then uh, dragonborn, who are dragon people. So we'll, we'll go through the races in more detail later. Then you'll also decide your class. Your class defines your character's capabilities. Like looking at two good examples, a fighter is a really good martial character. Like they're your soldier, they use weapons, they wear armor, and they fight stuff. Um, and then there's your wizard, who is a bookish scholar who uses their knowledge of the world to cast magic. Building block number three is your background. Uh, that's a little bit less mechanical than your race and your class, but it tells us where your where your character came from. What was their life experience before they became a character? Deciding those three things are the largest decision points when you build your character. So if we can jump back to the character sheet for just a moment, the first page, um, it's the one that's separated in three columns. Do you have that in front of you? Yes. Awesome. Right across the top, there's a horizontal ribbon. There's a big space that says character name, um, and you can name your character whatever you want. Boblin, the goblin, uh, Melf the elf is a real famous character. That's a thing. Name them whatever you like. Okay. <laughs> the rectangle in the upper right corner, you'll see class and level, uh, background, player name, that's, that's you, uh, race, alignment, and experience points. Alignment is a general impression of your character's philosophical outlook on the world, but a lot of people just choose to leave that blank until they figure out who their character is. Experience points are what you'll accumulate as you adventure, and that's how you gain levels. And your level is an indicator of how powerful your character is and how experienced they are in the world. Generally, a character will start at level one in one class, and as you advance levels, you can continue in the same class, or you can multi-class into other classes. But we're not going to worry about that today. Okay. All right. So now that we've talked about the building blocks, uh, we're going to go ahead and build your character. And I'm throwing a lot of information at you kind of quickly, so feel free to stop me if you have any questions. I do have a question. Oh, please, go ahead. So when you're starting to build a character, do you think ahead to what kind of game you're going to be playing I mean, there's different role-playing games and there's like different adventures you go on, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so every game will have a different style and a lot of it depends on your dungeon master and the personal preferences of the other people you're playing with. Um, it's pretty rare to play with just one player and one dungeon master, but that does happen. Um, I've run those games. They can be a lot of fun. Knowing what you're going into is more of a normal situation. So a lot of the time when you're building a character, you have a rough idea of what adventure you're going to be playing. Okay. So the uh, the first adventure that came out for the current edition of Dungeons & Dragons was called Wrath of the Dragon Queen. And it was about going and fighting a bunch of dragon worshippers. So you kind of had a general idea, like, we are going to be the heroes. We're going to go fight some clear bad guys up to some very clear evil mischief um, and that's kind of the premise of the game so that gives you an idea of the kind of story that you might walk into okay so for this since we're building your first character and we're, we might not have a specific adventure in mind we're just going to build what seems interesting to you okay and even if you do that in a normal in normal game a lot of the time it is perfectly acceptable just to build a character that catches your interest and that resonates with you 
fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons is a robust enough system that it can handle character diverse characters who don't necessarily fill every classic niche and every need in the game. Okay. So if everyone's playing characters that they're happy with, maybe you won't be the most powerful party ever, but you're still going to have a good time. Okay. So let's jump into building a character. Um, so if you look at your character sheet, I pointed to that uh, that uh, rectangle at the top right corner that lists your race and your class and all those other things. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to try and fill in that box. Like that tells us the first most high level information about your character. So I'm going to go through the list of races and the list of classes. Um, and I'm just going to give you like a one sentence summary of each of those races and classes. And then we'll, we will pick from the list. Now, if, if you go beyond what's in the player's handbook, there's 50 plus races at this point, And there's an extra class that they added. So there's a ton of options to choose from. So we're going to keep it real simple today. Okay. So starting from the races, uh, dwarf, they're, Stout, sturdy, they have beards, famously. Uh, dwarfs are resistant to poison. They're very durable, which often makes them very resilient in combat and very survivable. Elf, uh, elves are super long-lived, uh, nimble, graceful, often very good at magic. The ones that aren't good at magic are frequently in tune with nature. Um, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, elves, dwarfs, very simple. Okay. Halflings, uh, also called hobbits from Lord of the Rings, but we can't legally use that term in Dungeons and Dragons anymore. So they're about three feet tall and weigh about as much as a two-year-old. Um, <laughs> they are famously sneaky and charming and jovial. They typically make excellent rogues and rangers. Um, they're good explorers and they're very lucky. Okay. Uh, dragonborn are dragon people. Um, they have a draconic ancestor who gives them the ability to breathe some sort of damaging thing, usually fire or lightning or poison or something like that, and they can also resist damage of the same kind. Okay. Uh, gnomes are another small race like halflings. They're about three feet tall. Um, they're a little more magical than halflings, um, and uh, some of them like tinkering with gadgets. Uh, Half-elves are half-human, half-elf. They're very charming, they get extra skills, and they're very versatile, so they can work as a lot of classes very easily. Uh, Half-orcs are half-orc, half-human. Orcs don't appear as a playable race in the core rules, which is a whole thing. We won't get into that today. They're strong and sturdy and very difficult to kill, and they're very effective at fighting with large weapons. Tiefling. Uh, Tiefling are demon people, who I mentioned earlier. Um, They have some innate magical powers from their demonic ancestry, um, and while I do say demon people, I don't want people to run screaming and think that tieflings are evil inherently. Uh, Generally, it's just the result of a curse or something like that, but you get cool horns and you might have red skin. Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, oh, I did skip over humans. Excuse me. I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so he, humans, you know what humans are. Uh, <laughs> humans are versatile and ambitious and can learn to do pretty much anything successfully. Okay. So those are our choices of races. Now, um, if you have a race in mind, you can go ahead and tell me, or we can hang on until we've talked about classes. Well, I was thinking maybe uh, elf, elf, halfling, or half-elf. 
Elf, halfling, or half-elf, those are all great choices. Uh, honestly, all of the choices are great. Mm-hmm. So let's keep that in mind, and we'll look at classes, and we'll see uh, We'll see what we can do. Okay. All right, so uh, starting from the list of classes, you have your barbarian. Uh, they're, a, they're a mostly martial character. That means that they fight with weapons and stuff. And their signature thing is they get really angry and really hard to kill in a fight. They're they are generally from uncivilized places. Um, they're very resilient and they're very they're natural explorers and survivors. They have some cool stuff like they have a, a, a subclass option that lets them use like animal totem abilities and some other cool stuff like that. Um, so if you want to be a brave, angry explorer, barbarian. The bard is a uh, spellcaster who draws their magic from basically secret lore. Uh, they travel the world gaz- gathering stories and information and take magic from that. Uh, they're also famously good musicians and performers. Um, they can be a little bit complex to play, but they are very capable at almost everything. Um, they are literally a jack-of-all-trades um, they're good with skills, they're okay in a fight, they're good with magic, and they have some some very fun tricks to support their friends. Okay. Um, the cleric is the signature divine spellcaster. They draw their power from their relationship with a deity. So deities in Dungeons & Dragons typically work like Greek-style polytheism, where you'll have named gods who have specific portfolios that they care about, and their worshippers get such and such specific abilities. So clerics are also the iconic healers, so they're very good at supporting and protecting their allies, but they're also really good at blowing up bad guys. Okay. Some clerics are also pretty good with weapons, so they're uh, they're a very diverse class. Next is the druid. Druids are similar to clerics in a lot of ways, but where clerics draw their powers from uh, from the divine, druids draw their power from nature. Druids get cool abilities like the ability to turn into um, animals and later turn into elemental spirits. They cast a lot of spells and they can do a lot of cool stuff, uh, including uh, just magically making friends with animals and bestowing them with intelligence and things like that. Um, So druids are also an excellent healer, much like the cleric. Um, They're also really good at spells that kind of control the terrain around them. Okay. They're also one of the simpler spellcasters to play, in my opinion. So for new players looking to get into the game, a circle of the land druid is a very, very simple choice. Okay. Next is the fighter. I mentioned the fighter earlier. Uh, Fighters are the signature martial class. Uh, They are... Uh, skilled with weapons and armor. If you can picture a knight in shining armor charging in battle with a sword and shield and plate armor, that is a good example of a fighter. They're just as capable with bows. Uh, You can build them in a lot of very fun ways, and there's a lot of very interesting and diverse uh, character options for the fighter. So if you want to build a character who gets by on their skill with a weapon, fighter's a great choice. Okay. Next is the monk. The monk is a martial artist. Um, They are built around uh, the concept of ki or chi. So they fight unarmed and unarmored, and by improving their skills and their body over time, they become very capable and resilient and gain a lot of cool things like immunity to poison, exceptionally long life, and things like that. They're also famously really good at punching stuff really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you uh, if you enjoy kung fu movies, they're a cool character. 
if you enjoy like uh eastern style philosophy they're an interesting character there's a lot rolled up into the monk they're a very fun class to play and they can do a lot of things like sneaking around being sneaky being wise being clever Mm. yeah and they they work very well uh in similar roles to a fighter or a rogue okay that sounds really cool yeah monks are a cool class yeah Next is the Paladin. Uh, The Paladin is similar in some ways to both the Cleric and the Fighter. They have a little bit of divine power and um, a whole lot of martial skills. Uh, So they're they're typically going to stomp into combat with a sword and armor. They have some ability to heal. They have some ability to cast spells. Once you gain a few levels, you get the ability to cast uh, Find Steed, and you get a magical horse, which is um, smarter than your average horse. They draw their power from conviction to an oath that they take. Oh. So they're and they're also very uh, charming. So they're very good in social situations. It's a very durable and versatile class, and I frequently recommend paladins uh, as a a character in a single player campaign. And I recommend paladins for a lot of new players who want to learn the system in a hurry. Because the Paladin does a really good job of introducing a lot of character concepts very quickly over the first few levels of the class, but in a way that's still slow enough that you're not overwhelmed by it. Generally, if you can play a Paladin, you can play basically anything. Okay. Next is the Ranger. The Ranger is similar... It kind of draws a line between the druid, the fighter, and the rogue. The ranger is a natural explorer. They're very good at being stealthy. They're very good at um, dealing a lot of damage in a fight. They're good at exploring. They do have a little bit of magic similar to the druid, so it's kind of drawn from a natural source. So you'll get spells that will like let you interact with animals and plants and things like that. They also uh, they have a very popular subclass called, called the Beastmaster, which lets you have a pet that follows you around and fights alongside you. And who doesn't want to have a cool pet? That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, next is the Rogue. Uh, the Rogue is the kind of the signature scoundrel, ne'er-do-well, devil-may-care character. The iconic version of the rogue is the thief, but there's also the assassin. Um, in other source books, there's a swashbuckler who, if you're familiar with Zorro and similar characters, swashbuckler. Okay. Rogues are really good with skills. They're really good at being sneaky and charming and deceptive. And their, their kind of signature offensive option is called sneak attack, where if you get a if you have an advantage over your target or they're positioned in such a way, you can deal a whole bunch of damage to them very quickly. So rogues are very good at dealing a bunch of damage in a fight, and outside of a fight, they're very, very skilled at both exploration and social interactions. So if you want to play a character who's really good in a lot of situations but isn't dependent on magic, rogue is often a good choice. Next, we get into the the three big arcane sorcerers, and these ones are my personal favorite, but I'll try not to bias your decisions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they do, they do have some overlap here, so feel free to stop me and ask questions. So first is the sorcerer. Uh, the sorcerer draws uh, their magical powers from a bloodline or some other thing that gave them magical abilities. The signature sorcerer is the draconic bloodline sorcerer, so you have a dragon way back in your ancestry somewhere and you inherited magical power from that. And the Sorcerer is a relatively easy spellcaster to play because you don't learn a lot of spells, but you get a few 
special options called metamagic that let you kind of tweak your spells on the fly as needed. So if you have a few good tools that you get really good at using and then learn to apply those in a bunch of different situations. Now, depending on how you build your sorcerer, you could be all focused on combat, all focused on exploration, all focused on social interactions, or you can find a mix of the three by balancing your skills and your spell choices. So there's a lot of there's a lot of room to customize your sorcerer by customizing the spells that you know. Okay. Next is the warlock. Uh, the warlock is an interesting take on spellcasting. Um, you gain magical powers by making a pact with some powerful being. Um, so there's a few different options. The iconic option is the fiend. You literally make a deal with a devil and get magical powers as a result. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you're bad or evil. It just means you kind of made a bad deal. And now you've got cool powers from it. Um, you can also make deals with uh, entities which might be beneficial, like celestials, literally angels, um, fae, which are um, fairies, uh, nature spirits, things like that. There's a bunch of options which are introduced in other books. Um, within the core rules, we have the, the archfey, the fiend, and the great old one. Um, if you're familiar with the Cthulhu mythos or cosmic horror of any kind, great old one. It's a spooky outer space god basically okay yeah and then finally at the end of the book wizard which is my personal favorite class uh the wizard is the bookish scholar gone on an adventure wizards are very intelligent they have a lot of book smarts um and they use those book smarts to learn magic so if you can imagine a character in like a king arthur style tale or lord of the rings going to college to get a four-year degree in casting spells that's your wizard Wizards uh, are famously very capable because of their spellbook. Uh, a wizard's spellbook contains all of the things that they know. So they learn spells, put them into the spellbook, and you can add to that as you gain levels, as you find things on adventures, as you meet other wizards. And as you expand your spellbook, you can change the spells that you use from day to day, which lets you change your skills to fit any situation. Now, that versatility does come at the cost of complexity, so tracking your spellbook, a lot of people find that very frustrating, but with just a little bit of work, it's it's no more difficult than maintaining a to-do list. Okay. So if you want to be... If you want to be very smart, know lots of things about the world that maybe you don't know in real life, um, and have access to all of the coolest spells, wizard. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I have a question, if it's... Please. Okay. So... Are all of these characters, they can be either male or female, or is there even a gender association to the characters you choose? That's a great question. Uh, that is totally up to you. There's no restriction on gender or gender identity in the game. Um, it has actually become pretty common these days for people to write their characters' pronouns on their character sheet in place of gender. In official sources, there are non-binary characters, transgender characters. Uh, there are uh, there are races of characters in the game that don't have a concept of gender. My outlook on it is my character just walked into a bar. That person's a dragon. That person's a robot. That person's literally a demon. Why should your gender or your gender expression matter? Okay. Okay. So, um... I could pick any one of those characters, even though oh, some of them, it, when I look at them, I think, well, that seems more male and that seems more female. It doesn't matter. I could be no. any one of those. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
if, if you look through the character art, um, Wizards has actually done a really good job of portraying um, diverse races and genders for all of the characters and classes. Diversity in real world human and ethnicities, like the, there's still there's always room for improvement. Um, and sorry, uh, Dungeons and Dragons does have kind of a, a rough history with portrayal of gender and race, but we've we have come a long way in the game's almost 50-year history, and 5th edition has made a lot of steps to really improve that. Uh, this is a game where everyone is welcome. Okay. Well, you know, I, I wasn't... I was thinking it more of in terms of when I create a character, I can choose any one of these, and then because I identify as a female, my character would be a female, or could I create a character that's a male character that I play? Uh, your character can be whatever you want. Um, a lot of people will play characters of other genders to explore what it's like to be a, a you know a different person. Mm-hmm. I tend to uh, I tend to personally play only male characters, but that's not like that is a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of friends who are very comfortable playing female characters. I have a lot of friends who are uh, women comfortable p- with playing male characters. Whatever concept for a character you have in your head is wonderful, and you should play that. And so another question I have about creating a character. So if, if you create your character and you start to play a game of Dungeons & Dragons or whatever, a role-playing game, and that, do you call it a campaign? The, the game, what, what do you yeah, call so, it? Yeah, <laughs> um, so some terminology. So uh, a campaign is generally a series of adventures played over multiple sessions for a long time. An, an adventure might be a subsection of a campaign with a cl- distinct like beginning and end that, again, can be played one session, can be played over multiple sessions, depending on the length. And then a session is just, we are all here today, we are going to play for a little while, and then we're going to go do other things. So what I'm gathering is that as you you create this character and then as you play through the adventure or the campaigns, your character grows and changes and, well, grows and increases in strength and skill level and all of that. So once a campaign ends and you're like, you're done with it, you're not playing that anymore, do you then take that character into a new game that you play with a different set of people and you start at that level, or I guess it's optional? Great question. So that raises a couple of good questions that we should talk about. What happens when you finish an adventure in a campaign? That's kind of up to you and the people you play with. In a lot of cases, you'll finish an adventure and then continue on to the next adventure with the same group. So if you've got a party of four and then your dungeon master... Dungeon Master finishes one story, and everyone says, hey, we still really like our characters. Can we go on another adventure with these characters? That's great. Um, A lot of campaigns work that way, where you'll play... People will play the same characters for years or even decades. (laughs) And And that uh, that answers my question, yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, um, but uh, in in some cases, you might play a character for one session and then never play that character again. And both of those answers are perfectly fine. There is also the question of character portability, which is uh, kind of a confusing concept for uh, newer players. Generally, when you make a character, you'll make it with some agreed-upon rules with the people at the table. 
So if if you and you and I are sitting down, we're making a character right now, and we're limiting ourselves to just what's in the player's handbook, just to keep things simple. Other groups might have other preferences. Other groups might say, like, hey, we're playing in some specific story where there's no dwarves, so you can't play a dwarf. So in some cases, if you bring a character from a different campaign, from campaign A to campaign B, your character may be welcome in campaign B. You might need to make some adjustments. You might need to, like, get rid of some magic items that your dungeon master doesn't want you to have, things like that. Um, it's always a case-by-case basis. There's no fun police coming to enforce any of this. Okay. There is also, uh, there's organized play games. Um, if you go online and look for Adventurers League, that's the organized play league run by Wizards of the Coast. Um, they do have specific rules around character portability. So if you play in any Adventurers League game by their portability rules, you can bring your character anywhere and play with random strangers all over the world. Okay. That sounds good. Well, are we ready to pick your race and your class? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I was leaning toward elf, halfling, or half-elf. Okay. For the race, right, race, okay. Yes. And then for the class, I wrote down that I, I thought that cleric, druid, and paladin sounded interesting. Okay. Wizard. I, I'm kind of looking at it like, <laughs> to begin with, I, I like the idea of the healer part of it and the spell casting part of it. Um, and that I think some of those other things that sounded really good, I might want to try after I've tried one of these. <laughs> that sounds so, great. Uh, I'm, so, I'm glad that multiple things caught your eye. That's awesome. Okay, so you said elf, halfling, or half elf um, as races. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to make you flip around in the book too much. But uh, if you look in the table of contents, um, there are page numbers for all of the races. And people at home, feel free to follow along. Um, if you flip to those pages, why don't we start with elf just as an example? Okay. All right. Um, so if we flip to page 18, um, nope, that's dwarf. 21. There we go. <laughs> 21, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Page 21, that's the entry for Elf. Uh, that that splash art of the dude in the green cloak is a famous character named Drizzt. Oh, look, his name's on the page, so you don't have to guess yep. the spelling. Um, <laughs> okay, so on page 23, um, the left column on page 23, about halfway down, look for a section that says Elf Traits. Okay. So those traits describe the specific benefits you get from being a member of that race. Um, Every race will have some benefits that you get, and they'll vary by race. Some of these are cultural. Some of these are anatomical. Some of them are a mix of both. So the the very first thing you're going to notice on that list is the ability score increases. So ability scores are your character's, like, fundamental numerical traits that describe uh, what your character is capable of doing and how good they are at a bunch of different things. Different races are, by default, good at different things. But some later rules that got introduced in a separate book said, hey, if you want to change those bonuses to something else, do it. So I encourage people to play by those rules because it... It makes the game a little more diverse, and it doesn't lock you into a stereotypical idea of what in any individual race is. Elves will frequently have a plus two bonus to dexterity. If you want to put that somewhere else, that's great too. Okay. So in addition to picking your race, some races have a sub-race, which is kind of a heritage within the race. Uh, so within the player's handbook, we have high elf, wood elf, and dark elf. Um, dark elves... Um, don't think they're evil and spooky. We're trying to get away from that concept. 
So each uh, each subrace of elf will have some specific benefits, um, and we'll skip around and come back to this later. So high elf is going to be good at magic. You'll get a wizard spell. That'll be cool. Wood elf, um, they're very they're typically very wise. They walk very quickly, and they're good at hiding in natural settings. Dark elves get some natural magical spells that they can cast, uh, but they also have trouble seeing in sunlight. Okay. That's just kind of an example of a race. Um, and we can flip around to other races. Um, do any of those concepts sound good to you, or would you like to jump to halflings and see what they've got? Well, I was... The wood elf, what you, the, what you said about the wood elf sounded good. I, okay. Yeah, so, but I would look like to look at halfling and half-elf. Okay. All right, so if we flip to the very next page, uh, you'll see the halfling, and the halfling traits start on page 28. Okay. Um, and it's a pretty small section. That doesn't mean that they're any less cool. So like I mentioned earlier, uh, halflings are small, so they're not great at using big two-handed weapons, but that's perfectly fine. They're a little bit slower than taller races, you know, short, stubby legs. Um, I sh- I'm sure you remember uh, seeing the kids running around at two years old. Short, mm-hmm. short little legs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Halflings are also lucky, so when you roll a natural one on some things, you get to re-roll that. And I believe uh, Random explained how dice work in Dungeons & Dragons, yes? Yes, uh-huh. Okay, so a d20 roll, very important in the game. If, if it comes up as a 1 on the die itself, that's what's called a natural 1. And a lot of times, that's not a great outcome for you, so the ability to re-roll can save you when things aren't going great. Oh, okay. So you can also run through spaces of creatures larger than you, which is nice if you need to run past enemies or run, run between your allies' legs or something. And then there are two halfling sub races the lightfoot and the stout halfling uh the lightfoot halfling they're uh, naturally charismatic but again you can change that Uh, they're also naturally stealthy which is one of the reasons halflings are famously good rogues is because you can literally hide behind people uh, which normally most people can't do Uh, stout halflings are resistant to poison similar to dwarves which makes them very durable um, and if you want to build a halfling who's going to be leaping into danger that's often a good choice Okay. Let's see, and I believe the next race we were talking about was the half-elf. So if mm-hmm. we jump to page 39, you'll find the half-elf. Okay. So half-elves don't have a sub-race. They do have uh, variants, which work basically the same as sub-races, which were introduced in other books. But let's just stick, with, stick to what's here. Um, so half-elves... Uh, are very rare. They get bonuses to three different ability scores. Most races only get two. Um, that makes them very able to succeed in a lot of classes. Let's see. Uh, they get some benefits from their elf, uh, from their elven ancestry. Uh, they can see in the dark. Uh, it's hard to put them to sleep or charm them. Um, and you also get two bonus skills, which is really nice. Um, in in fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, you generally start with a small number of skills. Most characters start with four, so getting two extra is a pretty big benefit. Okay, all right. I know I threw a lot of information. Well, if it's time to choose, I didn't expect it, but Halfling was what appealed to me. <laughs> Halfling, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a fun character. That sounds great. Okay, now, uh, would you? What do you think between Lightfoot and Stout? So Lightfoot is the the natural naturally stealthy, stout is resistant to poison. Uh Lightfoot. Okay. All right, so we're going to go for the naturally stealthy Lightfoot halfling. 
All right, so now let's uh, let's go back to talking about classes. Um, so we talked about the cleric, the druid, and the paladin. I think we can make a halfling work for any of those. Okay. Clerics can be very diverse based on what deity you choose to worship and what domain you pick. Let's see. Uh, druids can also be pretty diverse depending on which subclass you pick and just kind of how you see your role in the party. And then Paladin, um, Paladin will be a really interesting build. Um, so, so I'm sure you're familiar with RPGbot.net. We've talked about it quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> um, so I spend a lot of time writing about how to build a character that's very mechanically effective. But um, we're building your first character. Don't expect this thing to be a race car. It doesn't need to be. Okay. If it's fun to play at the table, that is success. All right. I, I'm thinking Druid. Okay, Druid, I love it. Um, Druid is honestly one of my favorite classes. I think they're very, very fun in 5th edition. Um, You get to do a lot of cool things. All right, so we're going to skip to page 65 in the player's handbook. That's the uh, 64, 65. Let me know when you're there. I'm there. Mm -hmm. You're there? Excellent. Yeah, I'm there. Okay, Mm -hmm. so if you look at the top right corner, you'll see a table. It's uh, white with horizontal green stripes. Um, so that table tells you what you get at each level of a druid. You'll notice that it goes from levels 1 to 20, which is the level range in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. So at first level, you're going to start with, uh, with a couple of features, and that feature is called Druidic and Spellcasting. Uh, druids speak a secret language called Druidic that only druids are allowed to know. So if you ever meet another druid, you can have cool chats about your friends behind their back. <laughs> Over on the right, you'll see um, a bunch of numbers in columns. So that tells you how many spells you can cast. So we'll, we will come back to that stuff later. If you look just below that table, in the right column, there's a little heading that says Quick Build. The Quick Build instructions in every class give you a general idea of how to build this character successfully. Following these instructions is almost always a good answer, especially for new players. So now that we've now that we've picked your race, we've picked your class, and we've taken a quick peek at the druid, we're going to start filling in your character sheet. Okay. All right, and I'm going to oh. flip to the uh, copy of the character sheet at the back of the player's handbook because my printer decided to give up the ghost today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm writing down at half link um, mm-hmm. with the class of druid. Okay. Okay. And next druid, write one. Um, typically, characters will start at level one, but once you've played the game a few times, it's pretty common for people to start at higher levels. Okay. Levels one, two, and three are generally very fast to get through, and they're a great way to get to know both the mechanics of the game and your character. So if you're new to the game, I really encourage people to start at level one, play a couple sessions, advance quickly, and that'll help you get to know how the game works and how to play your character. Okay. So we filled in race, we filled in class and level. Feel free to write down your name if you want to. Mm-hmm. And we will come back to background in just a couple minutes. Okay. Uh, now, if you look at the first page of the character sheet, you'll notice that it's split into three columns. Um, now, those three columns are... How would I describe these? Um, left is, like, your character's capabilities and proficiencies. Middle is some numbers and stuff based on those capabilities and proficiencies. And over on the right is uh, a lot of descriptive information about your character. And if you look, if you flip that over and look at the back page, there's a whole bunch more room for descriptive stuff about your character. So the back is a great place to draw a picture of your character, to write down their backstory. And there's a great big box at the bottom for treasure. You're going to need that. Okay. (laughs) Everybody loves treasure. 
<laughs> so we're going to start on the first page. So over on the left-hand column, you'll see six, uh, a column of six big square boxes with a little oval in the bottom. Uh, now those are your ability scores, and we've talked about those previously. So there's six of them, strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Strength is how muscly your character is. Dexterity is how nimble you are. Constitution is how physically resilient you are. Intelligence is uh, book smarts, ability to do math, ability to remember facts. Wisdom is uh, common sense, intuition, um, insight into the world and the people around you. And charisma is your force of personality and your natural charm. Okay. You're playing a druid, and druids use wisdom for a lot of their capabilities, especially their spellcasting. So wisdom is very important for you. Constitution will determine things like hit points. Dexterity will give you uh, your armor class, which is how hard it is for people to hurt you. Sorry, the other ability scores will influence your skills. So we're going to use the easiest method to generate your ability scores. It's called the standard array. So you get six numbers, and you can place them however you like. And then once we've placed those numbers, we will add those the bonuses from your race. Okay. So the standard array is 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8. So they go down in descending order. So you can place those however you like. So having high wisdom is good because it'll make you better with your spells. High constitution is good because you'll have more hit points. High dexterity is good because you'll have more armor class. Strength will make you effective with melee weapons. Um, intelligence will help you remember facts. Uh, the nature skill is dependent on intelligence. And charisma will make you better in social situations. Now, there's no character is going to be amazing at everything. This is a game about surviving and succeeding in a party of people who are combining their skills to succeed. Specialization is generally rewarded in the game. Very few characters are good at everything. So let's pick some things that you feel are important to your character, emphasize those, and then work out the rest. And if you, if you need a hint, uh, jumping back to the quick build section on page 65 is also a great place to start. So for people reading along at home, uh, it says, First, wisdom should be your, higher, your highest ability score, followed by constitution. Second, choose the hermit background. We'll come back to backgrounds in a minute. Okay. Well, I was thinking wisdom okay. as you were going through it. So I would give that a 15? Yes. Okay. Quick side question. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a group of friends who are all going to start a game together and they're all building new characters to do it, would they kind of work together building the characters and say, okay, well, my character's going to have intelligence, my character's going to have constitution? I mean, is, do you do that as you set up and prepare for a game to make sure it's well-balanced? Yeah, frequently. So Dungeons & Dragons, if you're playing a Depending on the style of game you're playing, it's very helpful to have a diverse skill set within the party to help you overcome any given challenge that you might encounter. So talking to the other people in your, your group, which is your party, quote unquote, is going to help you cover all those bases and make sure that you have all of those capabilities. I think Random explained the classic party with the cleric, fighter, rogue, wizard. That party is really iconic because both it dates back to the earliest days of the game and because it covers all of those essential skills. Okay. Now, a druid typically is very similar to a cleric. 
Um, so you're going to fill a lot of those same capabilities in the group that a cleric would. So you're going to have some healing, some support magic, some offensive magic. And when you need to, you can get up and cl- up close in a fight and defend your friends. Okay. All right. So I, if I'm going through quick build, wisdom, and then constitution? Constitution, so yes. That would be 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then it doesn't say specifically what should come That's right. Uh, so it does leave some room for you to make decisions on your own. There aren't any strictly wrong choices, which isn't exactly fair to say because depending on the choices you make, you might die. Death is kind of inevitable in Dungeons & Dragons. It happens to everyone from time to time, and sometimes it hurts, and that's okay. Well, does <laughs> one character die and the rest go on? Is that Sometimes. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a hard question. Uh, think of like any movie where like there's a there's a like there's the core cast and the characters all doing great together, and then one of them dies and they have to power on, <laughs> and maybe some other actor gets pulled in to replace that guy. <laughs> well, if if this is a campaign that goes on for a while, does mm-hmm. that person still attend the game? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So. Typically what happens if you have a character die, you just make a new character and you and the DM, the other players, will work them into the story. Oh, so okay. death is rarely the end of the game for an individual player. Okay. Um, it just means that character's story is done. It's time for a new character's story. And, okay. of course, this is a game with a lot of magic. There is always the possibility of coming back from the dead. Like a soap opera. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like a soap opera. In a lot of ways, yes. It's a soap opera with a lot of swords in it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm looking at the choices, and I think I would choose dexterity next. I think that's so a great choice. 13 on that. And then um, intelligence after that. Okay. And then strength and apparently I don't care what kind of personality I have. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, eight charisma will probably mean that your character might be awkward or a little socially rough around the edges. And that's okay. I know a lot of awkward people that I like a whole lot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have your ability scores. That's very exciting. All right. Um, so that is like the first big number for your character that you fill in. So next we're going to fill in some other things, and I'm I'm going to read some things off of the character sheet. Or Sorry, I'm going to read some things out of the player's handbook, just have you write those down and tell you where they go. Okay. Um, so the first thing under class features is your hit points. So at level one, you'll start with a flat number plus your constitution bonus. Oh, I skipped a step. Excuse me. Um, okay. So now we need to apply the bonuses from your race. So you have a plus two and a plus one that you can put in your ability scores. Now, a typical wood elf will have plus two dexterity and plus one wisdom. And that's actually a pretty good combination for you. But you could switch those or you could put them somewhere else. You will have a modifier based on your ability score. And that modifier gets added to various things. Higher is almost always better. Okay, now when when I'm looking at the book, I see where you see a plus two mm-hmm. under proficiency bonus. Oh, uh, so that's the, uh, you're looking at the druid table. That's great. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, it's not like there's 300-something uh, pages in this book, right? Yep. 
I'm going to save you a step. The uh, the Wood Elf will give you a plus two to Dexterity from being an Elf okay. and a plus one to Wisdom. Um, and if you want to keep those that way, that's a great choice for a Druid, but it is okay to shuffle those around and put them in other places if you prefer. Okay. Now, in this case, I'd say uh, keep the plus two in Dexterity and the plus one in Wisdom. That's going to give you a good Dexterity score, which will help keep you safe, and a good Wisdom score that will make you really effective with your spells. Is this? Do I write this in the little oval there? Actually, you're just going to add it to the big number, which I'm sorry, I cheated a little bit and I'm making you erase things. This is why I didn't want you to have a pen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I'm a little, I'm a little lost here. So okay, so uh, so what do we have in wisdom right now? In wisdom, we have 15. So I need to add one to that and just make it a 16. Yes. Oh, got it. Okay. Okay, and then two to dexterity, so that makes that's it a right. 15. And I believe okay. you had a 13 in dexterity originally? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so that's 15 now. That's great. Okay, so those those are the ability score increases from your race. And we'll, we have other benefits from your race. The uh, features and traits column, the lower right corner of your first page of your character sheet, that's where you would write those down. We're going to skip over that for now because we're on a podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, so continuing down the Druid class features, uh, there's a section of proficiencies. That tells you the things that you know how to use, uh, tools, weapons, armor. Druids get light armor, medium armor, and shields, which is great because you'll want to be in armor and a shield to protect yourself. You get a, a small set of specific weapons. Druids generally don't rely on weapons a whole lot because you've got a bunch of magic. Okay. Um, and I'm looking at page 65 again. Um, okay. Uh, you're also proficient in an herbalism kit, which, um, Jody, I know you grow and dry herbs yourself. Yes. Um, so that might feel very familiar. Yes. Uh, herb- <laughs> herbalism kits also let you make healing potions, which is really nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, dry some bay leaves, make some spaghetti, make a healing potion. Have a nice day. Sounds good to me. <laughs> So you'll also get proficiency in two saving throws, intelligence and wisdom. Uh, saving throws are what you'll roll to resist things like spells. Um, so if you go back to your character sheet, that first column, there are some large boxes with an empty circle and then an underscore and then a bit of text. The top one has the names of the ability scores, and that's where you mark your saving throws. You'll note that it says saving throws at the bottom. Okay. So just uh, fill in that bubble for intelligence and wisdom. Okay. And then um, later we will write in the modifier for that. So let's jump back to your ability scores real quick. So we're going to fill in the modifiers. So there's a kind of simple equation or there's just a table in the first few pages of the book. The equation is subtract 10, divide by 2, round down. And I won't make you do that math in your head. For 10, it's 0. Okay. Am I supposed to be writing this somewhere? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, the So the ability scores, they have their big square, and then there's a little bubble underneath it. And there's a lot of argument about which one goes where. But uh, put the ability score in one and the modifier in the other, whichever makes sense to you. Okay. Plus zero, four, ten. Uh, I believe your dexterity was 15, so that's a plus uh-huh. two. Your constitution okay. was 14, so that's also a plus two. Okay. Intelligence was 12, I believe. Yes. So plus one. Wisdom of 16, that's a plus 3. And then Charisma is an 8, so that's a minus 1. Okay. Now back to our saving throws. Um, Next to Intelligence and Wisdom that you bubbled in, um, you're going to write your Ability modifier for that, and then you're going to add 2 for your Proficiency bonus. 
So things that you're proficient in, you get to add your proficiency bonus usually. Um, armor is an exception. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> so for, okay. In, for intelligence, you're going to have plus three. And then for wisdom, okay. you're going to have plus five. Okay. And okay. I, I know this is a lot of math and everyone's scrambling to keep up with, with us at home. Uh, they're probably having the same confusion. It's okay. okay. Take it slow. Okay. If you have a friend ask for help, it's okay to ask for help. Okay. Let's see. So right below that is your skills. So I like skills a lot. They're, uh, they're all of the cool things you get to do when you're not fighting. So as a druid, you get to choose two from a list that's at the top of page 66. So there's Arcana, Animal Handling, Insight, Medicine, Nature, perception, religion, and survival. They're generally self-descriptive. Arcana is knowing stuff about like magic and magical creatures. Animal handling is like training and training and commanding animals. Insight is insight into situations and people and notably the ability to tell if someone is lying to you. Uh, Medicine is just non-magical medicine. Nature is nature trivia. Like I know stuff about animals. I know stuff about trees. I know stuff about outside. Uh, places I don't go, you know. Okay. Perception is uh, your ability to notice things in the world, uh, traps, treasure, hidden things, things like that. Uh, Religion is knowledge of religions of the world, and survival is your ability to uh, survive in, you know, survive the natural dangers of the world. Um, Avoid poison ivy, avoid falling into a river, find food in a forest, things like that. Okay. Well, now, what, wait, what page did you say this list is on? Page 66, so the very top left corner. So uh, every class has a class features section that will go uh, hit points, proficiencies, skills, and then equipment. And that's, okay. that's stuff that you start with right at the beginning at level one. Okay, I see it. Pick any of those two skills, and then back on your character sheet, right below saving throws, there's more of those bullet... There's another mm-hmm. one of those bulleted lists. Just bubble in any two skills that sound interesting to you. Okay. Um, all right. I'm choosing medicine. Okay. And nature. All right. Those are great choices. All right. So that's, uh, that is where we're going to briefly depart from your class features. Oh, actually, no, I take that back. We should do your equipment real fast. So uh, under equipment, there's kind of a, a multiple choice list. So you'll see three bullets there, um, a wooden sh- a, a wooden shield, or B, any simple weapon, A, a scimitar, or B, any simple weapon, uh, and then leather armor, an explorer's pack, and a druidic focus. So you get all three of those bullets, but the first two have choices in them. Your choices come down a lot to personal preference, and you might also have some gold to start with so you can buy additional things. You'll find more gold as you adventure and then use that to buy more equipment if you need it. So this isn't something that you're locked into forever. Simple weapons are weapons that are generally easy to use, clubs, spears, crossbows, things like that. Okay, so I choose either a wooden shield or a simple weapon. Yes. Okay, Let's go with a uh, wooden shield. I think that's a great choice. Okay. And where do I write that? And I see an equipment box. That's a perfect place for it. Okay. All right. And then I choose scimitar, scimitar or did I say that right? Yes. Or simple melee weapon. Yes. A scimitar is a curved sword, basically. Okay. Um, 
Let's go with that. So you have a wooden shield and a scimitar. That's great. Uh, very, very iconic equipment for a druid. Um, so you'll also get leather armor, an explorer's pack, and a druidic focus. Uh, now that druidic focus is very important because you need that to cast spells. And you kind of get your choice of what your druidic focus is. It's usually um, a staff or um, something like a, a sprig of mistletoe. Not mistletoe, holly. I I get those mixed up weirdly often. <laughs> uh, that that dates back to real world druidic tradition out of I believe northern Europe. Uh, my my real world history is much worse than my D and D history. <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to choose one of those. You can just write down druidic focus for now, and then um, we can decide what we want that to be when we finish up all the details for your character. Okay. Um, so real quick, now that we have a shield and armor, let's talk about your armor class, because that's a very important number. Okay. That middle column on the front of your character sheet, that's most of the stuff that you're going to use when fighting happens. So armor class is conveniently in a, a space shaped like a shield. Your leather armor gives you an armor class of 11 plus your dexterity modifier. Uh, so if you look at your dexterity over on the left, you have that okay. bonus written underneath it. So it's two. 11 plus your dexterity modifier. And then since you have a shield, that gives you another plus two bonus. So you add all of those together and then write that down in your armor class. Okay. 15. And what does that give you? 15? 15. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. Now next to that is initiative. That is how quickly you respond when a fight breaks out. That's another very important number. And that's just your dexterity modifier. So just write plus two there. Two. Okay. And then speed is 30 feet. That's how far, how fast you can move in a turn. Okay. Oh, and I then, remember. I remember <laughs> Brenda mentioning that. Okay. Perfect. And then the space below that is your hit point maximum. So as a druid, you start with 8 plus your constitution modifier. 8 plus constitution. Oh, uh, 2. Okay, Perfect. 10. Perfect. You got it. All right, so your hit point maximum is how many hit points you start with when you're fully healed, and then that'll go up and down as you're injured and healed. You'll get more as you gain levels. And then, let's see, uh, a little bit below that, there's two small boxes on the character sheet. The lower left one says hit dice, right? One D, lowercase d, the, the letter, and then the number eight. Okay. So hit dice are a mechanic that you use to heal yourself when your character rests, um, and we'll... When we end up playing, we'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, so I've got one more detail I want to fill in to really complete your character. So we are going to talk about backgrounds, and you can hear me frantically flipping back to the table of contents. Excuse me for a moment. Uh, backgrounds, where are you? Uh, page 125. So unfortunately, these aren't listed in the table of contents, so I can't just read you off a nice convenient list. So backgrounds uh, are a little bit fuzzy in that the mechanics aren't, like, they're not super strict. You can basically trade whatever you want in here. Um, So there are some, there's a bunch of backgrounds in the player's handbook, and they'll give you some benefits and some examples of, like, personality traits for your character. You're free to use those as inspiration, but the rules also specifically say you can just trade these around if you don't like what's in here, and that's fine. Okay. Um, So generally, your background will give you two more skills. It will give you some proficiencies in things like languages and tools, um, and it'll also give you some extra equipment. Let's see. uh, I'm going to have you flip to page 127 to look at an example. 
So for people reading along, that's the Acolyte. That is the uh, alphabetically the first one in the Player's Handbook. I believe it's also in the uh, SRD, so that one's freely available online. So Acolyte will give you two skill proficiencies, proficiency in two languages of your choice, some equipment, and then there's four tables on the right which can help you define your character's personality. So there's a personality trait, an ideal, a bond, and a flaw. This isn't super clearly explained anywhere in the player's handbook, but a personality trait is um, kind of something that your character does. An ideal is something that your character believes in very strongly. A bond is um, some concept that you're tied to in some way, a a person, a belief, a tradition, something like that. And a flaw is some personality flaw that your character has. Okay. So those... Those kind of help you roughly define your character's personality. And there's some great examples here. And often uh, you can just roll dice on these tables and pick randomly and come out with a very interesting character that's very exciting to play. Or you can just pick from the list. Or you can just make one up. It's up to you. So um, flipping through the backgrounds, there's some great options. Uh, Acolyte, Charlatan, Criminal, Entertainer, Folk Hero, Guild Artisan hermit which is the recommended one for the druid noble outlander sage uh sailor and i'm running out of letters in the alphabet and i believe oh soldier and then the very last one is urchin so we can pick any of those and they'll give you different benefits depending on what you pick so just based on the one word names does do any of those things sound interesting to you i would have a hard time choosing but wasn't (laughs) hermit recommended hermit was recommended let's just go with that okay that's a perfectly good choice all right so hermit gives you skill proficiency sorry hermit is on page 134 if you want to take a look it gives you proficiencies in medicine and religion now you'll notice that you're already proficient in medicine and that's okay you can trade those proficiencies for anything else you like. The background, background specifically, it's pretty common to have an overlap in your proficiencies from your class. So the rules say, yeah, you can just trade those for whatever you want. You'll get proficiency in religion and any other skill that you like. Language. Oh, and you also get to pick one language of your choice. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Languages are a separate proficiency from skills. Um, unlike okay. real world where you can be like kind of kind of bad at a language but still speak it, you just kind of know it or you don't. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, all right. I need to choose something. And what what is my list to choose from again? Well, in this case, you can pick anything. Uh, so you can take a look at the character sheet and just pick anything that jumps out at you. You'll also get proficiency in perception because you're an elf. Uh, so go ahead and bubble that in. I forgot that one from earlier. But we can figure all this out when we fill in your traits, which we might not do in the podcast. Okay. I see where I can choose. Let's see. How about insight? Insight's a great choice. Okay. So you should have, at this point, medicine, nature insight, religion, and then perception because you're an elf. And that is a great set of skills for a druid. Okay. You also get to pick one language of your choice. So as an elf, you already know common, which is just the common tongue spoken in a world. Think of it like English or whatever language you speak in your home country. And then elven because elves speak elven. Surprise. And then one other language of your choice. And I won't make you pick that right now, but you could pick uh, Halfling or Dwarf or Draconic or... But I, uh, wait, wait, I am a Halfling. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, so I could choose Elvin. Wait, uh, I thought we... Did we land on Halfling? Yeah, oh my I'm gosh. Ha- Halfling, Lightfoot, and Druid. So I feel very silly. I've been thinking that you were Wood Elf this whole time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, that, does that change anything in uh, my numbers? So far, No. So the later rules introduced outside of the player's handbook let you move your ability score increases around. And that's really the only thing we've written down so far that matters a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Your speed is going to change from 30 to 25. Everything else is perfectly fine. You don't get proficiency in perception, at least not for free. Okay. Okay, hold on. So I need to change my speed from 30 to 25. Mm -hmm. Got that. And then I take away perception? Yes. Okay, and anything else? Uh, no, that's it so far. Uh, we haven't written down all of your racial traits. Um, and again, probably not going to do that on the podcast because it's a lot of writing. <laughs> I feel very silly. Thank you for correcting. Oh, no worries. But um, so as far as languages, I speak halfling and then common. I get to choose and You common. speak halfling and common. And then because you're a hermit, you get to pick one more. And Hermit will also give you proficiency in Herbalism Kit, which you already have, so we can pick a different tool. How about under your proficiencies in the bottom left corner, just write plus one tool, and we'll go through that list uh, some other time. There's some cool options like Woodworker's Tools or Blacksmith's Tools, um, Calligraphy Tools, things like that. Okay. So if we look at the Hermit, uh, there are personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws, just like on every background. How about, just to see an idea of how these work, uh, pick me a number between one and six. Four. Four. Okay, so I'm looking at the ideal table chosen at random. So the ideal is power. Solitude and contemplation are paths towards mystical or magical power, and it suggests that that's an ideal you might hold if your character is evil. Now, you can do with that whatever you want. If you don't like that, you can pick anything else. You can make one up. You can pick something else off the table. So we can go through all these things and pick whatever you like. We're going to skip that for now for the sake of time. But this is okay. here to help you form your character's personality. But okay. a lot of times, as you're building your character, you might already have an idea of what you want their personality to be. You might not need to use these, but they can be a wonderful way to help you shape who and who your character is and how they behave. Okay, so with these things, these um, characteristics, you typically choose one from each of the four sections? Yes. Uh, confusingly, so you have to, you have, to <laughs> you have a flaw. yes and no so first confusingly the rules in the player's handbook actually say that you should pick two from the personality trait table but uh, they only leave one space on the character sheet so most people only do one no person is perfect and no character should pretend to be perfect so having personality flaws can help make your character more interesting Uh, So, like, looking at the table for the Hermit, the first one on there is, now that I've returned to the world, I enjoy its delights a little too much. So that, like, that's an interesting character flaw. So, like, your character could be an absolutely wonderful person, but, like, you come back from an adventure and, like, I'm going to hit every buffet in town. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm kind of looking over these. Um, Okay. 
I'll look at it later. All right, great. <laughs> so your background will also come with a feature, which for the Hermit, it's uh, page 134, second column, a little bit down from the top. So the, the feature will give you some story device that your character benefits from because of their background. It's kind of up to the dungeon master to make those come into play, but a lot of them can be like, oh, you have friends in a bunch of places who you can call on for favors. Or uh, in this case, discovery, you know some cool thing and your DM will help you work out what it is and how that matters for the campaign. Maybe your character knows the secret base for like the evil cult that your characters are fighting. And like, maybe that's your discovery and your DM gives you that at the beginning of the game. It's like, Hey, hang on to this. This is secret. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. You can use that as much or as little as you want. That's up to you. You get to make every decision that your character makes. Okay. So at this point, we have a race, we have a class, we have a background. Uh, we have filled in your ability scores. We filled in your equipment. Uh, we filled in your your numbers, essentially. Uh, we've taken a quick look at the personality trait, ideal, bonds, and flaws. Um, the, if you look at your character sheet, the column on the right there, those are right at the top. Mm-hmm. The bottom right corners for your features and traits. Uh, as your character advances, so you'll start with your racial traits there. You'll add your traits from level one from your class. And as your character advances, your class will give you additional traits that you can write down there. Now, you don't need to write out the full text because, I mean, look at the book. Your traits can be two solid pages of text at high levels. So generally, you'll just write down the name of the trait. If it's helpful, write down the page number in the player's handbook. Mm-hmm. And that will help you reference those things. It's totally fine to have the player's handbook open while you play, especially when you're getting started. As you get better, this will all feel more familiar as you play more. Um, there's also great online tools like D&D Beyond that will help you with all of these things. Okay. As your concept of your character is forming, you might want to flip over to page two of the character sheet. So on the back there, um, the box at the very top right corner has things like age, height, and weight. There's a big empty box to draw your character's appearance, and there's some boxes to fill in things like uh, allies. Maybe your character has some powerful friends. Maybe they have some uh, friends in low places. Uh, And then there's an extra box in the middle for additional features and traits, which still isn't big enough to write everything you need to know. Okay. But you're free to fill in all of these with as much or as little information as you want. Uh, The character backstory in the bottom left is... It feels pretty small if you have a really intricate story for your character, but if you just write down a few bullet points about, like, where did my character come from, how did I become a druid, why am I on an adventure, stuff like that. Just those basics really help to capture the sense of who you want your character to be. Okay. I'm going to ask you now, and I'm going to put you on the spot, Jody. Uh Uh-huh. Do you have an idea of who your character is and where they came from? Nope. That's fine. (laughs) And that's perfectly fine. Writing a backstory has always been the hardest part of building a character for me. The mechanics are pretty easy because in a lot of cases you're picking from a list. Writing a backstory is basically creating an entire person. And that's hard. (laughs) Okay. Give it some time. If something comes to you, write it down. If you decide you don't like it later, change it. There's no wrong answers. Okay, but when you're talking about where a character comes from, you're talking about physically where a character comes from. A bit of that, yeah. 
physically where they come from can depend on the game world that you're playing in, but it can also be like, who's your family? Who are your friends? How did you grow up? And again, why did you become a druid? To draw a real real world example, like why did you go to college and major in herbalism? Like what led you down that path? And this is a completely made up. I mean, oh, this is totally okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I it, would imagine you get better at creating these backstories over time when you've had exposure to other people and what they've done, and you get you like some things about their their stories, and then you start imagining your own. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. Um, and for like for your first few characters, actually for any of your characters, drawing inspiration from real world fiction is a great idea. If you have movie characters with interesting stories that you want to borrow from, characters from books, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is really popular right now, so I'll draw a lot of comparisons to that when I'm helping build characters like Black Widow's a rogue, Iron Man is an artificer, yada yada, things like that. Drawing comparisons to real-world media and borrowing from those stories can help you come up with your own ideas. Uh, there's, a, there's a great line, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. The difference on the two has never quite been clear to me, but go straight to stealing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, wow, this is a lot of information, but it's 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 cool. It's interesting. Yeah. We're going to put the, the backstory on the back burner, and at some point we're going to share your wonderful first character with the world. But uh, we're running long on time, and there's one very last thing that we have to handle to build your character. Okay. Because you're playing a druid, you're a spellcaster. So uh, that means that you will get to pick some spells that your character brings with them on their adventures. So I am quietly flipping through my book here to find the the druid spell list. And this part's going to be a little intimidating, so I don't expect us to actually do this today, but I just want you to take a peek at the options. Okay. So flip to page 208. Oh, I'm there. Okay. Oh, great. So the very last section of the book is spells. Uh, you'll notice it's a 300-page book, and the spells start at a little over 200, so there's a lot of spells. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, it is okay to be intimidated here. So if you start from where it says druid spells on the second column, uh, there's mm-hmm. cantrips, and then there's first level, and then second level, and so on, all the way up to ninth level. You will start with cantrips and first level spells and every two levels you get a new level of spells it's very confusing that they chose to use the word level a second time that's kind of the way it's always been okay Uh, so you will start with two cantrips and you know those permanently and those are spells that you can cast as many times as you want uh so since you're going on an adventure uh having something that you can attack with is a really good choice For druids, uh, Produce Flame is a great choice. It lets you basically throw a small ball of fire at somebody. Shillelagh turns a club or a staff into a magic weapon and lets you hit people really hard with it. So either of those would be a good option. And then um, a useful option like Druid Craft or Guidance or um, uh, maybe Resistance, things like that can offer some options other than just hitting stuff. Okay. So, so for your first character, I would recommend uh, Druidcraft because it'll be, just be a ton of fun to play with on your first character, and then Produce Flame because it gives you something to fight with. Okay, I was looking at the Produce Flame because I like the idea of throwing something <laughs> versus being close to an enemy. <laughs> yeah, that's a great okay. choice. And then Druidcraft, okay. 
Cool. So you will learn uh, more cantrips as you go. I think uh, druids normally learn up to four. You might get five, depending on some choices that you make as your character gains levels. Uh, some characters will know more, some will know less, some won't know any, and that's fine. And then for for the uh, leveled spells, which is first through ninth, you will prepare a certain number of spells every day. So those are spells that your character wakes up in the morning and says, today I think I'm going to need these spells and as a druid you get to pick from any of these spells and you can change that list every time your character sleeps basically so i'm I'm not going to make you do that today but just as an example of what a druid can do animal friendship will magically make any animal your friend cure wounds will magically heal injuries uh fairy fire um you'll throw magical glitter on people which reveals invisible creatures and makes them easier to attack Purify food and drink removes poison, spoilage, diseases. So, like, if you pull something gross out of the back of your fridge, purify food and drink, good to go. Okay. And then speak with animals does what it says on the tin. It lets you speak with animals. Cool. So you have some great options, and when we go to play, your character can pick and change these options every day. And that works a little differently for different spellcasters, but clerics and druids and wizards sort of get to pick their spells every day. So you might wake up one day and decide, I've never used this spell that I've been carrying around. I'm going to try something different today. And that's a great way to experiment. So is the length of the day in play determined by your dungeon master? I mean, In a practical sense, yes. So in most game, most worlds in the game still use the like seven day week, twenty four hour day, sixty minute hour. Like the the time and dates all feel very similar. How much you do in a day is kind of up to both the players and the dungeon master. So like you might go on an adventure, and the adventure might be like, okay, we found a dungeon. We're gonna go into this dungeon. We're gonna be here for like a week fighting all these baddies. Or you might go in. You might have one really bad fight and say, okay, that didn't go great. We've only been adventuring for like two, three minutes like of, of in-story time, and, but we're going to go back to town and recover because that didn't go well. Okay. Yeah, and the game is intended to kind of simulate parts of a real person's life. So while your character isn't adventuring, they're still doing normal stuff. Like they, they might have an apartment and a family, and they might like have drinking buddies that they go and hang out with. And all of that kind of happens in narrative time, like in a movie. Like, how long does it take a character to drive across town in a movie? I don't know how much talking is happening in the car. It might be like they get in the car and the next scene is they get out of the car and that took like five seconds. Or it might be the entire movie is they drive from one end of town to another. So it's kind of flexible. It just depends on the needs of the story and what your character is doing. There might okay. be very long days where your character does a ton of things all at once, or there might be days where you do very little, and it's like, oh, I'm going to take a short rest. I'm going to take a long rest really soon, and I'll be able to change my spells. So this isn't a big deal. Okay, okay, I, I, I will see how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you sure will. Okay. Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to close this player's handbook. Jody, you've built your first character. Wow, that's cool. All right. I like it. Thank you. When we feel like it, we can fill in the box of traits. We can write down the rest of your equipment that you get from your background. That doesn't have to happen in any particular rush or at all, honestly. We can figure it out later. But a little over an hour, you have learned how characters work, and you have 
built your first character and you are ready to play. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Any questions before we call it a night? Not right at the moment. I'm sure I will have some questions for you at some point, but <laughs> I think I'm okay right now. That's a lot of information to think about. It sure is. Uh, well, um, you know how to reach me personally and for people listening at home. Uh, hey, if you have questions after building your first character or during, um, hit me up on Twitter, R-P-G-B-O-T-D-O-T-N-E-T. I'm always happy to help. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. I hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoy this content, please listen to our regular weekly episodes on the RPGPod.podcast, where we talk about all kinds of topics across tabletop gaming. And if you want to read more about building characters and character optimization, please visit RPGBOT.net, RPGBot.net. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. (laughs) 